Hi, this is Victoria Miracle and Purposeful Woman Podcast. My goal for this podcast is to bring you the best information from the brightest woman in the world. Let's go. I'm Victoria Bozimova and I'm your host. Today, this show for those who is on the mission. Today, we're having Amanda Boylan. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so, it could be Bolin, Boylan. It doesn't matter. It's like the other Bolin girl. It's all fine. <laughs> yes. Uh, welcome to the show, Amanda. And Amanda is the founder and creator of She Did It Her Way podcast, where she coaches and guides aspiring online business owners to launch their business and make their ultimate leap. She Did It Her Way started out in the podcast in 2015. And since then, she has been downloaded over 2 million times across the globe. Amanda coaches women in her six months lunch to leap accelerator program to help them get their service-based businesses up and running, replace their corporate income, and make their ultimate leap from their nine to five. Oh my God. Welcome, Amanda. I'm super Yay. excited to have you here. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I'm super grateful and excited to be here uh, with you as well. I love that you are corporate and the self-made entrepreneur moving to service-based business. Will you tell us like, what, what, what is your story? How, oh my gosh. Do we have two hours? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I'll tell it as best in the chronological way that I can. So I don't lose anyone as I'm going through it, but high level graduated from university in 2010. And I spent two years in corporate America at two different companies, Target and Wells Fargo, before I made what I call my ultimate leap and became a full-time subcontractor for about a handful of different companies. So the way that it worked was I networked with organizations, companies, kind of like the middleman, who had end clients that had projects around sales and marketing, leadership development, employee engagement trainings. And basically what I would do is I would act as if I was an employee of their company and go out and execute these trainings, these coachings. So I did that from May, 2012 to full-time, probably 2016, 2017. And I still do a little bit of the corporate work today, but 95% of my focus is she did it her way. And it was in 2015 is when I launched She Did It Her Way podcast, mainly as a way and a hobby to feel connected and to have something of my own because I was traveling, living out of a suitcase every single week, traveling the country, traveling the globe. And I just sort of, I felt this calling and need of wanting something of my own. And for me, I love talking more than I love writing. And I think I'm better at conversation and writing than I am, or better at conversation and speaking than I am necessarily writing. So that's why I chose podcasting. And this, she did it her, she did it her way. Didn't really, I didn't decide to look at it as a business until probably late 2017 when we launched our first offer, which was an in-person event and it was wildly successful. And so we have the event, we do it every single year. It's the, she did it her way summit. It is amazing. And that really like was the catalyst to saying that, okay, we have all these people listening to the podcast they 
clearly enjoyed like they clearly want more because we had the first event was such a success that I started then saying, okay, how can I build something that is of value to people who want more? And that's what I really spent 2018 and 2019 kind of fleshing out. Like it felt super messy. It felt very much throwing spaghetti against the wall. And I would say probably at the end of 2019 was really when we got our footing and got super clear on who exactly we help, which as you were saying, service-based business owners, aspiring service-based business owners and newly existing, right? So it's really about helping women transition out of corporate and build their online business, whether it's coaching or just offer or offering services. So teaching them the process to replace their income and to make their ultimate leap so they can have that freedom. And now it's you know, I think more than ever, what we were talking about before getting on this training, this video is that we're going to start seeing a lot more people who are working from home, uh, start probably exploring more opportunities about how they can do what they're doing in corporate, but go out and do it on their own and create their own client work and create their own freedom. So yeah, that is the nutshell. Yeah. It's like how will like, a lot of people, yeah, will like transition out or like, will probably start right to think about like, what will, if you know, this happen again and what would you suggest? Like, how did you still have time working a full time and having your right, starting your passion and purpose and how, where did you find time? How did you structure your days? Yeah. So I will, my leap story from full-time. So I actually, to back up a little bit in 2010, I graduated college and I went and worked at Target in stores, not corporate. I know everybody always asks me, they're like, you worked at corporate. And I'm like, no, I was in the stores in this super Target in West Des Moines, Iowa. And I did that for about 13 months and it was a really great experience. And there are a lot of emotional times that were attached to that experience that I think are worth pointing out because so many of us, when you leave something that you feel so attached to and you feel so grateful to have the opportunity. You're getting compensated very well. You have, there's an identity and ego attached to what it is that you're doing. You're the expert person. You've gotten praised for all of the stuff that you do. You really hit this place where you go into your job where one day you think, oh, today's a really good day. And then the next day you're in tears or you're just so not into your job. And there's, you know, one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat. And for me, there was a straw that broke the back that I was like, this is it. I'm done. And I actually went from working full-time at Target with full benefits. I was 23 years old, living in Iowa. I made really, I had a really great salary. There was a lot of um, trajectory. I was going to have my own store within the next 18 months after I left making six figures. And I left it and I took an interim position through a third-party agency at Wells Fargo as a recruiter. I lost, not lost, but I took a 20% pay cut. I didn't have any of my benefits from PTO or retirement. And I picked up a job at a gym. So I didn't have a gym membership so I could have a free gym membership, also make a little bit more money and then spend that time reading. And it was actually during that transition period where I went to an event that my mentor at the time was hosting and he brought together some brilliant minds. And one of them was a gentleman by the name of Chad Carden who till this day, he's such a pivotal, in, um, both my mentor, Adam Carroll and Chad Carden were instrumental in the trajectory of my path because it was there that I met Chad. And then for the next eight months while I was working at Wells Fargo, I networked with him and he was the first client that I had that put me on his projects. And I just got a phone call in April of 2012 asking like, 
okay, I think we have a project with AT&T. It's seven months long. Do you want to see it at the table? And without hesitation, I was like, yes. And there was no guarantee that I was going to be selected as a trainer or a facilitator to work on this seven month project. I just kind of went with blind faith and trusted my gut and said, yes. And next thing I knew, I walked into Wells Fargo and I gave my third party agency the two week notice. I had my flight booked and I went out to San Diego for the first train to train, train the trainer ever. And because of that one moment, of saying yes and trusting my gut, it has led me to where I am today. So for me, that situation wasn't, I, for me, I had gotten what I call a bridge job, which Wells Fargo was for me a bridge job. And I know that I'm probably taking a little bit long here to get to your answer, but I think it's important for anyone listening that wants to quit their job is that sometimes it's not a clean break. It's not, okay, I'm going to go from this job to working for myself, period. Sometimes you have to get margin. If you're in a job that is requiring so much time and energy from you that you may not have any sort of energy or any sort of capacity at the end of the day or margin to really A, figure out what it is that you want to do and B, have the time to do the things that you need to do to gain traction in your business that you're building. So for me, Wells Fargo was that bridge job. It got me from being a full-time employee at Target to then going off on my own. And once I was on my own, that opened up space to be more creative so that I could start the podcast. And then over time, things transitioned to where I was being called more to build She Did It Her Way than I was to be out on the road. But going back is if you find yourself in a position where you're totally maxed out and you don't have any margin left, you may have, you may want to consider a bridge job. I got 15 to 20 hours back of my week every single week when I left for Target to Wells Fargo. Yeah, I took a pay cut, but it was so, so worth it. And so for that experience, um, I just had to make a decision in my gut. And I think for a lot of people who are listening that maybe don't need a bridge job that have that margin in their life, that's a complete, we could totally go down that because then it's a matter of really getting clear on time management, how you're spending your time and making sure you're doing the right activities that are building upon each other. So that, and having a clear strategic path of what you're going to do and what the next six months look like so that you can make your ultimate leap and do it confidently and do it with confidence and also do it with like with strategy and not just saying, I hate my job. I want to quit. Yes. Um, I mean, it's yeah. absolutely like, right. Don't, don't quit your job. If you don't have a backup plan, like, yes, yeah. just <laughs> like do have a bridge job or backup plan. What I'm hearing, this is, this is, I mean, the best advice. Yeah. <laughs> but here's what I will say though. Yeah. And I will say this actually, everybody knows themselves better than what other people know them. Right. And for me, I, my position to make my ultimate leap is because I just, I was 23 years old, 24 at the time. So I was 24. And I trusted the fact like the only debt that I had were, were my student loans and car payment. And so I knew that if the train the trainer thing didn't work out, I would, I trusted myself to figure out a way. Right. But if I was going straight from having a full-time job corporate, I had margin. I, and I'm building my business. I would me personally would not just all of a sudden up and quit without clients, right? Like when I made the leap, I had client work. I trusted that I would for the next seven months and I knew that I was going to work. Right. But at the same time, there's other people that perform much, much better when their backs are up against the wall. The biggest caught word of caution that I always give to people is that it's one thing to know yourself well and to 
know that you can take on risk, but it's another thing to make an emotional decision because you just can't stand where you are right now. Right. Yeah. Like there's, there's two different things. So sometimes, um, you know, sometimes yeah. it's like for me was that when I left my job, you know, I've been just so emotionally, right. It's just been, it's the most second nervous breakdown that I experienced. And for me, it was yeah. like, I just want to leave that job. Right. Yeah. And then I took an entrepreneurship and all this different stuff, but like what's on your opinion, like the best time management advice you can give on like when you're transitioning, like when to find this time, like, right. How, how to stay healthy or like how to be in that amazing, like, you know, mental space to be mm -hmm. able to maintain two jobs. Yes. So the first step, the first big thing is, is almost going through a, you want to declutter your time, which I can, after this, I can give you a link to one of my podcast episodes. Cause I went all the way through that. And, and I know that you are very big on time management and productivity and all that. So, um, and I'm sure your audience is well aware of it, but you have to take inventory of how you're currently spending your time. Most people use words in saying that, oh my gosh, I don't have enough time. I wish I had more time. I wish I had more time. Problem is, is that when you say that your subconscious hears that, and then you continually manifest that. And it's really not about you not having enough time because we could all make, we could all use our circumstances as excuses, but it doesn't change the circumstance. So we could eat, we can decide how we want to direct our time and be proactive in how we want to speak about our time. And the first piece of advice I always tell people is track your time, become aware of how you're spending it. And that's the first thing is tracking it. And then the second thing is, is planning your time down to 30 minute increments of how you spend every single day, because that is so important to really figure out like when you're doing what you're doing, when, even now in the time of, you know, when this releases, it might be that we're still working from home. We're still social distancing, that sort of thing. And a lot of people don't know how to spend their days. And I should say that if you, you need to schedule it down to 30 minute increments of knowing exactly what you're going to do, because if you don't plan it, you're planning to fail. And it doesn't even matter if you are watching Netflix in the afternoon, because you have, you have spare time, plan that, put that on the calendar. Don't be afraid to plan that. If you want to do laundry, plan that, put that on the calendar. The point is to make you in the position of planning and you're deciding ahead of time of what you want to do with it. The third thing, especially if people are looking for working on their business, you have to carve out and, and see the white space on your calendar, right? And one of the exercises that I have my students go through is everything that we just talked about, putting it on a calendar, whether it's digital or you're writing it out, but then really look at your schedule and say, oh, okay, so I can work on my business. If I get up an hour earlier, I can work on my business from 4.30 to 6 every morning. So that's 90 minutes right there. And then, or, and, or I can work from 6 to 9 p.m. at night, or I can do 7 to... 10 PM. So you basically look for the white space in your calendar and you say, okay, I, every single week I can devote 10 hours to my business. Now you know that you have 10 hours to devote to your business. The next question is, is what do I do with those 10 hours? And you have to be so mindful of, and know the difference between being productive and being busy. Being mm -hmm. busy is nothing more than on a hamster wheel and moving a rocking chair. Now there are definite times where there's things in your, there's times in your business that you will be doing busy work. But the important thing to know is the difference between producing and being busy, right? Being busy is checking email. Being busy is going on Instagram and playing around and engaging. And sometimes it's, it's, engaging on Instagram can be good as long as it follows a, a hierarchy of a strategy, 
But if you're just doing it to do it, you're not really moving anywhere. So it's important to get clear on how many hours a week can you devote to your business. And then the next question is to get clear on what are you going to do with those 10 hours. And if you're starting from scratch and you are just getting started, there's a, we can get into this. There's lots of things that you can do, but you can assume that a certain percentage of your 10 hours will be devoted to client work and a certain percentage of your hours are going to be admin and a certain percentage of, of, of them better be sales and marketing because otherwise, how do you get your clients? Absolutely. That's the best three tips. I mean, <laughs> schedule, schedule, block the time, right? And it's just like, have no guilt about it if you're watching Netflix, right? Just like schedule the Netflix if you love it. If you, that's what fits your soul. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like have no guilt around it. It's, it's worse if you, and I was talking to a friend, a friend the other day because she's not, she's not accustomed to working from home and it can be a really difficult transition. It can be a really like mind whatever, but if you know you have work you got to do and you're also like, I have all day to do it. And so you find yourself on social media and watching Netflix, you're going to be on those things and watching Netflix, but not present because your mind's going to be like, Oh, I should do my work. I should do my work. But if you plan ahead of time that you're going to do your work between nine and 10 and then take an hour from 10 to 11 to watch Netflix. And then you're going to go back to work from 11 to 12. Like then you can rest and be fully present versus expending energy splitting your mind at that time. So that's what I always recommend. And now is the time to dance and stretch and move our bodies. Let's go. Absolutely. Like what is the best advice you can give on like somebody starting a business and like where to look for, for ideas or for like just the old resources? Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, there, there's definitely not a shortage of resources. I think that is one of the challenges is that there's not a, I mean, there's no shortage. So we actually have to now discern what we're going to allow in and what we're going to allow out. I just signed up for a multi five figure coaching program. That's 12 months long because one of the reasons, not the entire reason, like one of the reasons is I obviously from you want to be coached, right? But doing that investment has then given me permission to say, I'm not looking elsewhere. I'm not listening to other podcasts. I'm not reading other people's books or anything like that. So you create the constraint of not having shiny ball syndrome, right? But if you're just getting started and you're starting from scratch and you don't know what type of business, regardless if you do know or you don't know, the first step I would I always recommend is for students to get clear on the good, better, best revenue goals. So if you want to quit your job, um, one of the things that, and you can do this either in which order, one, set a leap date. So decide when you're going to quit, whether it's six months out, nine months out, 18 months out, set that date. Because when you put that time, that deadline on the calendar, it actually makes you show up in a different way. And a goal without a plan is just a wish. And so you actually force yourself to show up in a different way. So set a leap date. And the second thing is, is get clear on what you want your revenue, revenue goals to, to be, right? And I can't take credit for this. I heard it from another podcast episode and I can't remember which one, but they talk about good, better, best revenue goals. So really think about how much money do you actually need to make? in order for you, in order for it to signal to you that you can quit your job. 
And the beauty of having good, better, best is that it gives you a range to work within. So it's not like, oh, I need X, I need this amount of money or no more. So an example of this might look like, just to make it as simple, easy is if you make a hundred K a year, your good, better, best might be, okay. If I make a hundred K a year, you also have to get clear on what's coming in and what's going out personally. Right. Mm -hmm. So how much can you afford? Like how much is your bare minimum to live off of? Right. And if you do your bare minimum to live off of is 65 K, maybe that's your good goal. Right. And your, your best goal is 100K. And then your better goal is maybe 85K. So those are the goals that you set. You break them down into a monthly number. And then that at least gives you the clarity to say, this is how much money I need to make, right? Mm -hmm. After you know your revenue goals, then you're going to understand what's your offer. And, and feel free to stop me at any time. I'm just like, I'm rambling and I'm like going, going. I but think perfect. Um, I think you're going perfect. Okay. That's exactly Okay, awesome. Thank you. Yes. These students, you guys will let me know. But then the second thing is to get really clear on your offer. Like, what are you offering? And I recommend get clear on that flagship offer, focus on results, not time and focus on high value, high leverage offers. Meaning if you look at, so hundred K per year is roughly 8,300 a month. I don't have a calculator to do the math for like 65 K or 85 K, but basically let's go with like the hundred K a month. Right. And you know, you had to bring in 8,300 a month then, and you get clear on your offer. Then let's say you decide that you want to do coaching of some sort, like social media coaching. And you decide that you have, you're going to do your package or whatever your offer is, is $600 a month. Then you can at least see, okay, if I take 8,300 divided by 600 a month, that gives you the number of clients you need. Right. So it creates that clarity of exactly how much money do I need to make? What's my offer? What's the price point on the 11, offer? And then 11 clients, if you doing a, a 8,300 per month and 600 is your program. It's 11, it's 11 and a half. So it's kind of like 11 or 12 clients a month. <laughs> yeah. We have a half a client there, right? So again, like just going through the exercise of the numbers and knowing ahead of time, how many clients you need is going to create clarity for you to be like, Ooh, maybe I need to raise my prices. Uh, maybe instead of doing just one-on-one, -on -one, I might do a group coaching program. So you find other ways to get leverage versus um, you can certainly do where going back to, oh, you have 10 hours a week. You can do the, okay, my hours 30, uh, my billable hours, 30 hours, um, or $30 an hour. So that gives you $300 a week times four is 1200. But the problem is, is that you've bottlenecked your time. You can't, there's no more time. If you are tapped out beyond the 10 hours, where are you going to grow? That's why I always recommend focus on retainers focus on the result, not the time. So for example, if you are a virtual assistant and you are helping someone with their podcast episode, and instead of them paying you, let's say $20, $30 an hour. And in the beginning, it takes you the full hour to do your podcast, but you get really good at it over time. And it only takes you 30 minutes. You basically priced yourself out. Does that make sense? Like you then are not being incentivized to go quicker. Okay. So that's why I always say focus on retainers and focus on, um, leverage. So that's the, 
Second one is your offer. The third is know your customer. So get clear on who can benefit from your offer. And then the fourth one is know your sales process. So how are you getting like a proven process leads to predictable results. And so what is your sales process and how are you getting people acclimated? How are you doing um, how are you getting more people in the top of your funnel to engage with, to then get on a, you know, 15, 20 minute free consult to see if you can provide value, to ask questions, to see if you're a good fit and then bring them into a client. And then the fifth one is, is to continually generate qualified leads at the top of your funnel every single day. Like sales and marketing should be a majority of, a majority of how you spend your days to making sure that you're bringing the revenue in so that you're getting on the phone with people so that you're offering more because the more that you offer, the higher the likelihood chance that someone will purchase your, your offer okay. that you're offering. Like right? So you can make value. Money. Stuck up. Yeah. When you're doing offer, it's like not just the one thing to stuck up the value instead of discounting your services. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, the sales, yeah. like, a lot of people just get very, you know, like, Oh, sales. No, I'm not good at sales. I'm not going to do sales, but sales could be, it's just easy, like, right? The one email to another email is like, I mean, would you talk a little bit more about the sales mm -hmm. process, right? And a little bit of funnels because people sometimes get like, oh, funnels. Oh my God, I don't understand what that means, you know? And say, oh, sales. Right. Well, yeah. And everybody loves the like step one of figuring out your good, better, best goals, right? We love that. We can do that on paper. It's math. It's easy. And then we get really creative and we love thinking about the, all the different offers, which I really, you know, I mean, I've gone through the same where I've had so many offers and you just want to stick with one offer. That's going to your flagship offer. Stick with that. And that's what you offer. One offer, one funnel, one conversion. And then you get to the place where then you're like defining your customer where most people stop or get stuck is step four, which is not, I'm sorry, it's not step four because sales process is just knowing that it's really bridging between step four and step five, which is taking your sales process and plugging yourself into the proven process. And the way that you plug it into that is then generating qualified leads. So people don't know what you do if you don't tell them this requires you to craft an email, to send it to your network. If sending an email to five people and not getting a response and thinking it doesn't work, that's not tr like, it's not working because you're not working. And I know that sounds harsh, but that's sort of the, the, the feedback that I wish I had is like, we have to constantly be out there offering, providing a call to action to getting people to engage with us, whether it's a freebie that we offer, whether it's to our Facebook group, whether it's to a 20 minute breakthrough clarity call, like that is a really, really big piece of having a sustainable business that makes money. And it's really one of those areas that I think, and including myself at the beginning, we shy away from because for whatever reason, you know, there's that fear, like, what will people think of me? Oh, I don't want to be too salesy. And a lot of that can be shifted through mindset. Instead of thinking that you're selling, like the, as, as soon as you feel like you're selling it, you've switched it from like, I just need to make money. You've, you've taken it away from service and you've positioned it to, I just want to make money. But as soon as you slip back into the mindset of service and how your offer and your services can benefit someone and help their business or help their life, then it changes, then it shows up. So a lot of it is just getting into the zone and into the mindset of service before. And then you usually like, you think about, you know, sending emails. I remember I would send emails to my list and 
I would get so nervous because I'm like, people are going to unsubscribe. Like they don't want to hear from me anymore. And then it came to a place of like, I need to send this email because this email and this story is going to help so many people. And if people unsubscribe, that's okay because they were never then interested or maybe my target audience anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. So you just have to change the way you look at things so that the things that you look at change. And that is really helpful. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it comes from a place of generosity. Like if you are not sell, like not enrolling and not selling, right. Just a regular world to your clients, you taking away from them because they need you, like they need your solution. And that's yeah. why, right. We create offer. And then when know our customers and then we go to the sales process and leads. I love that. This yeah. is absolutely amazing. And what do you say? Um, speak a little bit about like what mistakes are people are doing it when they're starting business like what's the most common ones the most common one is not starting the word (laughs) that's what i heard what 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 was one of the mistakes you heard the one that you said i wish somebody told me that you know i'm not working hard (laughs) when you said yeah it's like yeah we gotta it's numbers right we gotta work it's like one offer and one no it doesn't determine you like we gotta keep doing it yeah i mean there's a couple there's things that i wish i would have done differently like sharing of, you know, there are so many moments years ago when I was transitioning from full-time corporate work to building this business that I had thought sending one email was going to generate all this money. And then when I sent the email and it was crickets, I was like, nobody wants this. I need to lower my prices. Like this isn't working. So then I would go back to my website and I would tweak the messaging and the copy of the offer. And then I'd be like, now people are going to buy. Right. So it was one, it's really just goes back to inaction. Um, we tend to, we, we use the excuse of, Oh, I don't know what to do. So I just don't take action. And, and we kind of like marinate in that. And so number one is just the biggest mistake is not starting at all. Like who we want things to be so perfect all the time that the thought of like, well, if I know that it's not going to be exactly what I want in the long term, like, why should I even start now? And the thing is, is that you're not even going to get to that long-term place if you don't start now and you can't iterate things that you don't, have anything to iterate. So that's number one is the inaction. Number two is thinking that you need this insanely fancy, beautiful website in order to get started because you don't. I've had friends who have built multi uh, six figure businesses off of having zero website and purely off of consult calls. So just going to break that down. So I, cause I see so like a lot of people and I get it because it's pretty and, and it gives us something to do. And it actually shields us from actually putting ourselves out there. But if you want like the if you want to quit your job, the number one thing that's going to help you do that is replacing your income, right? Like, and it doesn't necessarily require you to build this grand, beautiful website. And then there was a third one and I cannot for the life of me remember what that third one is. So if I think of it and then come back to it, we'll, we'll talk about that. Well, okay. The third one is, is like not getting plugged into a program of a coaching program mm-hmm. or something from the start, because you can spend all this time and try to figure it out yourself and try to save money and try to piecemeal it together. But I think, and you probably would share the same thing is that as you become more of a long-term business owner, you realize the value of your time. And so if you're going to pay some, if you, you would rather pay $500 to get the answer like that then you would to spend your time that would equate to a thousand dollars and take a really long time to, to get the answer. Right. And so that's the other other beautiful thing is like when you have your full-time job, leverage the income that you're making from your full-time job to invest in these programs, whether it's coaching or courses to educate yourself on how to do this. And 
it's going to be way easier to make that leap then. Yeah. It's like accountability. It's the big part of yeah. it. It's, sometimes it's not even answers you get yes. for sure. But it's like when you know that your coach is going to call you and you're like, oh, I got to get this whole thing done. I promise, you know, you're going to do it. And it's, it's, it, it mm-hmm. does work tremendously. I mean, yeah. yes. Well, would you share with the, our audience, like what, what gift are you sharing with us? Where they can go yeah, so- about your work and connect with you. Yeah, you guys can head to, so there's a couple of different places. You can go to the website. It's she did it her way podcast.com. You can join our private free Facebook group where I do weekly trainings inside. It's called Her Way Community. It's also at she did it her way podcast.com forward slash HWC. And then I know that Victoria is going to put a link below to where you can grab the freebie that is basically recapping everything, the five steps that I talked about today. So you can get that, download that, and then that way you have it and you can go through the steps right there in that download. Awesome. Yes. And I'll include the link below guys. And thank you so much, Amanda, for being here with us. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, come hang out with me. Also, I'm on Instagram at she did it her way. So I'm in and out of those DMS and I would love to hang with you. Yes. All right. Nice. I love, I love that interview. And I think it's the best, you know, thing to start it out right now and all recaps go grab this link below the interview and I'll see you in the next series. Stay tuned. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you love this podcast, please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review it. And of course, you can get in touch with me everywhere online at purposefulwithdoubleldate.com. And I can't wait to see you next time. Kisses!